Sometimes we don't appreciate life until we're losing it. Imagine holding your breath until the point that you can hear your heart beating. And then it's pounding and then it feels like it's about to come out of your chest. And then you take that gasp of air just before you feel like your heart's about to stop. And then you're breathing in life. You're back. When we hug someone, or when we kiss someone, or when we're just caught in awe of something, something breathtaking, something that's has us just in the moment. As if everything around us didn't exist besides what was in our eyesight. What our focus was on. For example, when I used to do squats in the gym, right, I was lifting some heavy, some heavy ass weight. Talking about like three, four plates. <laughs> putting some major stress on my knees. But what really helped me was my breathing. Really did. And on the exhale, I was not breathing in, obviously. Because I'm using my energy on the exhale to get back up into an upright position. So when I'm squatting, I'm inhaling as I'm going down or I'm inhaling before I even lift the bar off the rack. So I'm I'm holding my breath like I'm doing now and then I unrack it. Then I'll squat down and then come back up you know I'll hit one of those if it's heavy while I'm going down and then I'll exhale it back up but it's like a roller coaster you know when you're doing that kind of workout it's like a roller coaster because you're so thankful to be able to catch your breath after you're done with your set. This explains why 
We like roller coasters. It's such a thrill. It's such a thrill. Especially the ones when your feet are just dangling in the air. I remember in San Diego, me and my cousin Kim, we went down to Zipline. Look, this Zipline is one of the longest Ziplines in the world. Like, I'm serious, in the world. And, like, when you're going down it, you're traveling up to, like, 50 miles per hour. It's awesome. It's so surreal. It's, it's beautiful. At the San Diego Zoo Safari. So we were ziplining <laughs> over rhinos, giraffes, all that. It was amazing to see. And then just going up so high, being up so high, you know, I was nervous a little bit. But I'm not going to lie, on the initial release, when we dropped down, it was, it was cool. It felt slower. It felt slower. It didn't feel like I was on a roller coaster. It was more controlled. And I was able to really take it all in. But what's beautiful about both of those is you're aware the whole time. You know that you're experiencing the whole time. You don't even know if you're breathing or not. You're just... <laughs> you're just too busy being in the moment. That's why sometimes on roller coasters, you're out of breath. But you're like, let's do it again. You know, you lit. Are you either you puking? <laughs> that was the worst ride of your life. But life is a roller coaster. And on a zip line, it really feels like more of a wave. But at the end of the day, we're thankful that we lived through both experiences. That's what's the common factor there. So the real question is, do you want your life to be a roller coaster? Or do you want it to be a zipline? Do you want it to be a life full of ascending and descending? Or do you want it to be a life of Ascending, descending, loops, twirls, going backwards, forwards, upside down, inside out. And shake it all about and do the hokey pokey. Yeah. I couldn't resist. But which life? Because... Death is knocking on each one's door. 
So when your day comes, how do you want to greet it? Will you meet death's door disgruntled because you never achieved the things that you wanted to achieve while you could? Will you be upset because you're having too much fun and you just don't want to give it up? You just don't want to let go of your role? You want to hold on to your space in this 3D realm of reality that we call Earth? You don't want to share? Or will you arrive full, satisfied, knowing that you did the things that you knew you could do and did the things that you could do for others? Whichever way that we choose to arrive, we do know this. We do know that we would have loved the life that we lived. And that's why no matter how hard it gets for some of us, we just do not want to let it go. We keep fighting. We keep going. No matter how much the mind stresses itself, over worrying, overthinking, overworking. Same with our bodies. Overworking, not working it, stressing. We get depressed in this life when we lose our ability to create. When we lose our ability to create, we start to think, well, what can I do? And then we try something, then we fail. And then we see the peers around us failing and not trying. And they're so stuck in the traditional ways that it can make you feel alone. It can make you feel like, well, either I have to submit to this life that I really don't want to live, or I can keep drowning in self-pity, or I can do something. I can find a way to create a life that is suitable for me to live. Those are really our three options that we are faced with. Follow tradition, create a new path, or drown. Keep in mind, though, that one would not exist without either of the two. Because if you choose to go the traditional route, Yes, you'll love it, but you'll still long for something else. You'll still long to be creative in a different role. You would still want your focus there instead of balancing doing the juggling act. Because to keep a tradition, you know, it's strict. 
You got to be to the T. There's not much room for innovation or it's not really true tradition. Because in tradition, it's more of rituals. It's repetition. It's just fine-tuning, slowly innovating. A strong tradition often has a strong foundation. So when you adopt that tradition, it's really just learning the ways and applying the ways and doing your job accordingly. Now, when you're creating a path, you want to establish a tradition. You hope to have a long withstanding culture, a withstanding impact when you're carving your path, when you're creating your way. And, you know, that takes time. That takes time. It might take many seasons. But once your path is seasoned, once it's carved, once it's laid out, then you'll be able to establish your tradition. But when you're carving that path, it's not as easy as it sounds. Have you seen how long it takes these cities to make a highway, make a freeway? Have you seen how long it takes them to fix a pothole? <laughs> so imagine trying to build something from the ground up takes a tremendous amount of focus, tremendous amount of effort. And the fact that you attempted that shows how creative and powerful you are. It really shows how creative and powerful you are. Because that path can lead you to a tradition that you've always wanted to be a part of. while still having your own path. Now, when we don't have a path and we don't believe in a tradition or joining a tradition or trying to create a tradition of our own, we start to drown in self-pity. We start to feel like we're not accepted by the world, by our peers around us, we start to feel like we don't belong.
when it's really just boils down to the fact that either you're afraid to act on your ideas, you're afraid to act on your intuition, or you just don't have any. You're just doing your role as a hater. But it takes a certain amount of passion, a certain amount of focus and energy to continuously be in a state of self-sorrow, self-pity. To be justified in your actions just because you feel like you don't belong and you feel like nobody understands you. That just leads to a path of wrong decisions. You begin to attract people who are in misery and suffering just like you. Because you can be in pain, immense pain, and try to mask it. And let these bad vibes leech off you. And you thinking that you're doing a good job trying to help someone out. When in reality, you should be seeking that help for yourself. You should be spending that energy trying to make yourself better. Because that's the only way you can make the ones around you better. You can show them a way, show them an example, show them a path. But instead, if you choose a life of self-sorrow, you'll just lead to a path of nowhere. Just a path of being lost. You're just lost. And that's okay. Because we're all lost. We are lost with what we are in love in. We might be lost in love in a job that we're doing. We might be lost in love with a person that we're with. We might be lost in love just destroying somebody's character online or to their face. We're lost in love doing what wherever we're doing. But whether you choose to go the traditional route, make your own route, or just live a life of self-pity and self-sorrow, you're going to experience every single one of those no matter which path you choose. And we love it. We love it. It's sick, but we love it. We love breathing this air. But are we aware of what we are breathing? Are we aware of what we are putting into the air? 
are we aware of what vibes that we're putting into the air? Because with the words that you speak, you could be breathing in bad energy, bad air, bad chi. Or maybe you're attracting what's good in life because you're speaking good vibes into your air. You're breathing in good air. Either way you look at it, they're both one and the same. They just produce different outcomes. Yet they're both needed. Because when there's bad done in the world, either we laugh at it or we learn from it. Even when we're laughing at it, we're still learning from it. (laughs) And some of us don't even subject ourselves to seeing it. We just remain impartial. And just stay in that middle, that middle way. If you don't love yourself now, will there ever be a day that you do love yourself? Will you ever live long enough to see yourself loving yourself? Who is the judge of love? Who makes the rules when it comes to love? Does love even have rules? Because love is one of the most powerful energies that we experience in this lifetime. But it's also so temporary. It is so temporary. Like we can love a food for an X amount of time, but then after a while it gets old and we don't love it anymore. Like, eh, or we can love a game for so long, right? And then we don't play it anymore. But we still think about it sometimes. It crosses our mind sometimes. And remember the joy that it brings us, or that it brought us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want it. Again, or it doesn't necessarily mean that we want it. It doesn't necessarily mean that we even want to experience that again. Honestly, through family, that's how I've learned unconditional love. Like, I just can't hate anyone in my family. I can't not do what's right for them. It might take some pushing. It might take some, and when I mean pushing, I mean some sense. You have to help me make it make sense. But you can count on me to do it. And all families have their issues. All families are crazy. And it's people in your family that will do you the dirtiest. But 
for some reason, we still love him. Love him enough to make an effort. It's probably because we know that family, like that seed, it's the closest thing to us, that that genetic code, like we just know that we're connected. Like pine trees, for instance. I don't know if you guys ever been around pine trees, but they produce a lot of pine cones. And in the fall, you know, these pine cones drop. And they're still closed. If you find pine cones that are open, they more than likely already released their seeds. They're already in the ground. Or a chipmunk. Or a, um, <laughs> I mean, a, a squirrel. Probably, you know, got them a few seeds. But these trees, they grow. And they're a family. They're all connected. They grow so tall, so high, so strong. They wave back and forth. Obviously, some don't make it. A lot don't make it. But they're all connected and they all have the same job. They're all providing fresh air for us to breathe. And, you know, they stand so tall and so beautiful on the surface, but underneath the surface is, but underneath the surface, it's probably so chaotic. Like those roots, they're probably so entangled and run deep, but they're so strong and they live for so long. So just like us, these trees are breathing and they're producing experiencing life just like we do. Every time we breathe, we are breathing in life. But are we breathing without a purpose or are we breathing with a purpose? Have we found something that gives us life? Have we found an idea that gives us life? Sometimes we can fall in love with the idea of someone or the idea of something, the idea of a job, the idea of a girl, the idea of a perfect husband, the idea of a perfect wife. But nothing in this world is perfect. For instance, if you read the book of Genesis and you subscribe to any of the Christian religions, Catholic religions, or any other religions that talk about the creation story in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. If you read closely God admits that he made a mistake. 
letting man know good and evil. For man is now like God. But the key to remember here is that while God mentioned that man is like God in this in the book of Genesis, God did not say what man is God over. All that was stated is that man is like God because man and woman now know good and evil. And then further along in the book, God and Moses found each other. And then God said, look, I'm going to make it rain for 40 days, 40 nights. Gather two of every animal and sect and beast. And we're going to get it popping. So he did that. Along with his sons and their wives. Now it's really interesting this book because like God was appeased by Moses in the book of Genesis because Moses chose to walk with God and chose to do good. But God was so upset with himself and hurt by even putting a tree out there of good and evil because the majority of his creations were choosing evil or what he judged as evil. So he brought a great flood to wipe them all out and do a fresh restart. So in the book of Genesis, if you subscribe to that book, if you subscribe to any of those religions, that should tell you right there that this life is not perfect. Letting you know from the jump. And yet we're so in love with it. I'm not going to go into any further detail about the book of Genesis. This isn't a Bible study, but... um. I was just using that as an example. So I thought that was a really good example because that's often an overlooked aspect of the creation story. But there is another part that, and sometimes we can make the mistake of loving somebody to the point that we lose ourselves in the experience of loving them trying to heal them even if they never want to be healed trying to teach them even though they never want to be taught trying to help them even though they never want to be helped and it's not their fault it's your fault If you really love someone, you just have to let them be. 
because the only way to have true peace is if you yourself can just have the freedom to be who you are, to be who you want to be. And if you choose to settle down with somebody, you have to be okay with them being who they are. Because at the end of the day, people change and they're always going to change. But their nature, who they are, their being, there's things that they need that they have to have. And those things may never change and you have to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, then there's no need to waste your time. Whether that's a friendship, a work relationship, a love relationship, any type of thing that you're putting your energy to, any type of outlet that you're invested in. Because you can become addicted to loving in such a way that's so detrimental to who you are as a being. You will never get that love reciprocated back to you by trying to continuously heal those when you're the one who needs healing. You owe it to yourself to love yourself and to heal yourself first. So when you are your best self, when you are at your peak, when your energy is full of love, when your spirit's full of love, when your soul is just glowing, let your soul glow, you'll be able to share that energy with the world and you'll be able to attract that energy to you. You'll be able to know that that person, that that job, that that relationship, that those shoes, that that house, that that car, that that whatever is for you. You, you, you. Because it matches you, it matches your energy and you love it. We love things that we can keep alive. So let's keep love alive. That's it for episode 44, man. This episode was dope. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for liking, sharing, loving, hating, commenting, joining the discussion in this What Is Life podcast. Man. And if you haven't copped a love so blind after this episode, you might want to go do that, man. You might want to go check that out. Check that book out. It may resonate even more. Or it may not resonate at all. I don't know. Because I'm not you. But thank you. I love you guys for tuning in. As always, man. It's your boy. It's your host. Sensei Speeds in the building. Yes, Mr. Cronkite himself. 
Stay tuned for episode 45. If you made it this far, you made it to the end. Thank you. Because without you, this podcast wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be able to grow in awareness, grow in consciousness. So you're a beautiful soul for that. And also, you know what's crazy? So when babies are born in the water, right? Their lungs still haven't collapsed. So they are still in like a deep meditative state. They haven't even taken their first breath yet. I couldn't tell you if their eyes opened up or not. I wouldn't know. But what a way to come into the world. And then once they're out of the water, they take their first breath, and then life begins. <laughs>